Welcome to The Lead, where we discuss the news and events happening in the community of Ganawage. In this episode, we discuss Ganawage students returning to the classroom, minor hockey is back on the ice, and vaccination clinics in the community. First Nations Wireless is now First Nations Fiber. You've seen our team working through the community to get you connected. From the new development to the OCR, from the 207 to Clay Mountains, FN Fiber makes fiber optic internet easy for everyone. Come into Ganawage soon. Visit radio.fnfiber.com to sign up today. Hey everyone, my name is Jordan Standup. I am the assistant editor here at Yuriwaze. Today I am joined by our publisher and editor, Greg Horn, as well as our contributing writer, Mark Lalone. So welcome in today, guys. Hello, hello. Warmest greetings. So I have these gentlemen here to talk with me about some of the news and events that have been happening in our community throughout the month of January. And of course, that would include the pandemic. We cannot have a podcast of this nature without talking about the pandemic. So, Greg, I'm going to turn it over to you for now. If we're looking back at the past month, right, and and, and again, it just feels like, uh, you know, Groundhog Day all over again. Uh, you know, January comes around and things are closed and uh, you're not allowed to do things and, 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 you know, everything fun has been taken away. And again, this time around, the fifth wave of the pandemic hit this part of the world, Kahnawake and, and Quebec, uh, very, very rapidly in December, fueled by the Omicron variant of, of the, of the coronavirus. And that really, like people were, were, you know, knew about the, the Omicron variant back in November. And I, I don't think anybody was prepared with for how quickly it, it spread, right? And and I mean, the first week of December, uh, second week of December, we you know we met with Public Safety Commissioner uh, Lloyd Phillips, uh, where he he was talking about okay, well you know this is this kind of coming, but you know uh, we got to really just pay attention. And then within a couple of days, you know we had two two consecutive days where where we we had more than twenty new cases. Uh, every day, which was more than we've ever seen uh, in, in in the community, and things started shutting down. By that time, eighty percent of all cases in Quebec were confirmed to be uh, Omicron, and cases skyrocketed. And you know, we've seen numbers going up to fifteen thousand uh, new cases a day uh, in the province. Uh, you know, at one point there was uh, more than one hundred and sixty active cases in the community, which is more than any time throughout the, the entire pandemic. So things shut down. Uh, so we get to, you know, uh, right, right before Christmas, uh, they announced restaurants and bars and social clubs and gaming were, were going to be shut down. Minor hockey was already taking a two-week break for, for the holidays, but that break got extended by three weeks or so. So so everything kind of was like, oh man, it was like, here we go again. Schools were out, um, you know, uh, kids were given an extra two weeks off, I believe. From 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 going into class and then you know it was just like okay well let's 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 figure out what's going on because of the transmissibility of the Omicron variant and how how the, the mutations in it 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 avoid it avoided a lot of the protections that people have built up either from private uh, previous infection of of COVID nineteen or from vac- vaccinations that's why the third dose of the vaccine is important uh, it, it it once again boosts that. That, that immunity in, in somebody and so with three doses they're they're ve- well protected against omicron uh so so you know we we had a lot of things and people were were very frustrated rightfully so i mean you know we're, like people are told we're going to turn the corner you know vac- vaccinations are turning the corner and this and that and not realizing that you know not not even thinking that maybe you know something will 
uh, there'll be a mutation that'll that'll change things, right? So that now throughout most of January, I mean, Quebec went into a, a curfew again, and and it was just you know January is already a very difficult month for uh, mental health and health wise for a lot of people, right? After the holidays and and then the bills start coming in, and you know it's just it's one of those things, and then how cold it is and long nights and everything, and then now you know you can't do anything fun, and you have and 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 Quebecers have to be in the house uh, between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. You know it's just it was just really really gloomy yeah i'm glad that you brought up the uh the importance of the uh, vaccinations greg because the vaccine clinic in gonawage moved from the knights of columbus hall back to the bingo hall right yes and and, and that was because you know again fueled by the the omicron variant and and the fifth wave uh in that surge that we've seen here in the community there was people that were going to get their, their booster shots or their second doses or their fir- first doses and you know, it was being held at the Knights of Columbus and, 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 you know, anybody who passed there on days that the clinic was open, uh, you know, people are lined up outside, you know, for about an hour or more. It, it just wasn't, uh, the, the demand was so high that the vaccination center couldn't keep up. You know, they contacted the, the Mohawk Bingo who, who housed the first vaccination clinic in the community. And early January, everything, uh, the, the vaccination clinic moved back to, to the, the Mohawk Bingo, so you can get more people in and in and out in, in in a quicker fashion. Something really positive that I that happened earlier this month also was that uh, the paramedics from the Gunawage Fire Brigade also lent a hand at the uh, vaccination clinic to help administer vaccines to community members. Yes, and that's that's you know really important. Part of the reason was was because of how much the community was affected by by. The fifth wave and, and people being out of work and, 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 you know, because at one point there was, you know, 160, 170 active cases in the community, but there was also close to a thousand people that were in isolation uh, through contacts or, or, you know, t- getting rapid tests. So it was very difficult for Gunawaga Public Health to, and Kater- the Kateri Memorial Hospital to have enough people to, to, to staff the, the vaccination clinic. So they, they sent out a request to the Gunawaga Fire Brigade to ask if, uh, the paramedics would be ready, willing, and able to to help administer vaccines because they are trained and qualified to do so. David Scott, uh, fire chief, uh, reached out to the paramedics, and and you know within I think within minutes, all the shifts that were required were filled. That was just you know something truly amazing about about this community is is that everybody you know bands together in times of crisis. And it's certainly not the first time that our paramedics have gone above and beyond to help out the community and specifically the hospital because. Uh, they had previously helped out in the inpatient department over at the KMHC as well. Yes, uh, I, that was uh, this past fall. Um, again, faced with uh, you know nursing shortage, uh, staffing uh, shortage, the 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 Cattery Memorial Hospital Center sent out a request asking if the paramedics could help out, uh, you know, with some of the nursing duties because again they 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 have some training in that in the medical field and they they're they're able to uh, administer. Uh, certain medications and 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 whatnot, so they were able to fill out fill that out too, and and that's just you know, you know something that goes to show that uh, in a community like ours, with the emergency services that we have, people are 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 very quick to to volunteer uh, and 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 help out in in areas that are needed. So our students were finally back in the classrooms earlier this month too, and that was after an extended holiday break that I don't think that uh, they were much prepared for because uh, a lot of those decisions were made over the holiday period, right, Greg? Yeah. So uh, again, uh, you know, as the surge was 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 happening, right, and there there was actually a point right before Christmas 
where the Gonawaga Survival School had to close and cancel all classes because there was some cases there and coupled with an outbreak at step-by-step and isolation requirements, they didn't have enough staff that were that could go to work and they couldn't get any substitutes you know because of the, the amount of people that were 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 in isolation or 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 had tested positive for covid so so you know there was a lot of things that were were were, were at play here and then the the surge comes and and so right before new year's the Gonaga education center announced that they were going to be extending the already extended break because they were going to do an extra week closure instead of coming back the first week of January. They're going to uh, extend it by another week or two. Uh, and then January 17th, the Monday, January 17th, the, the children started returning to class at the, at the local schools. Um, and, you know, that was something that was, I think, uh, a, a relief to a lot of people, you know, because schooling, especially for, for younger ages, is, is, is very important and being in person because it's very difficult. Right to to learn in an online setting, um, you know, through Zoom or, or or however it is that you're you're doing things. Uh, the the children are also losing out on that that social interaction with their peers, right? And and that's a, a really important developmental part of uh, of of growing up and 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 of the school experience. And during those extended closures, the Gunawaga Youth Center remained open so that they could care for the children of the essential workers of the community, which we talked about our paramedics stepping up and the youth center stepping up in that same way is uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because, you know, there's there's a lot of essential services in the community and, and essential essential businesses and, and, and all, all this and that. And, and, and people need to, you know, go to work and keep the community running and if if the schools are closed to in-person learning and there's no online schooling and 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 whatever it, it, you know there's certain jobs in this community and everywhere else that can't be done remotely that that you know you 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 need uh, in order for this community to run you know and and you need, there's there's so many different different types of jobs that that people have to be there so so the the Gunawaga Youth Center was integral in, in ensuring that the community's frontline workers could still go to work and, and their children have a, have a place to, to go and, and, and be safe and, and all that, right? We'll take a short trip from the youth center over to the Gunawage Sports Complex where some of the young skaters were able to get back onto the ice to just, just recently, actually. Yes, that was, uh, you know, something, something big, uh, you know, on just, just uh, I think, January 20th, uh, that weekend. The Gunawaga COVID-19 Task Force approved for uh, the Gunawaga Sports Complex to reopen and have practices under very certain conditions, one team per ice, uh, I think a maximum of 12 players on the ice at one time, only one parent in the stands per child. Everybody over the age of 12 has to be vaccinated and uh, show proof of vaccination. Uh, so there was a bunch of things that, that happened. And, and so as you're listening to this, we'll have had two weekends and a full week worth of practices back on the ice. And, and, you know, that's, you know, hockey is a big part of this community and, and, you know, not having hockey for much of the pandemic, right. was uh, a, a very difficult thing for, for a lot of community members and, uh, you know, you know, getting shut down right before the holidays and, 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 and then, you know, not knowing uh, when things are going to be back was, was very difficult for, for a lot of people. So at least now that there, there's practices are happening and on, on the provincial side, the Quebec government has announced that children under, under the age of 18 can start, start sports back and start practicing and, and, and no games yet. Uh, games are canceled until at least February 6th. And hopefully, you know, February 6th or, or, or soon thereabouts that seasons can resume. 
A big keyword that uh, that we've been hearing a lot, especially as of late uh, during the pandemic, is mental health. And hopefully, with the kids being back in school and being able to see their friends, and also being back on the ice, I really hope that it's going to help in general with the the mental health of uh, the of the kids in our community as yeah. a whole. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's one of those things that that it's it's a release, right? And you know, it's a stress reliever, and you know, you're you're able to exert a lot of your pent up energy, and then. You know, for 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 the kids, uh, the players, and and, the, and their parents too, right? To go and and see them and 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 see them, you know, compete, and you know, it's all very very important. And and mental health, yes, is is something that we've all really started having that conversation about how important mental health is since uh, you know since the, this pandemic this pandemic started nearly two years ago. Now, Mark has actually written quite a bit for Yuri Wizay about the importance of, of mental health and working that into some of your workout stories, Mark. Be quite honest with you, for me, working out maintains my mental health. Uh, I know a lot of people feel the same way. And I can speak to the fact that a daily release of catharsis and endorphins and getting that stress out is really hard. And to speak to to, to minor hockey and and to how kids are dealing with this. I'd love to use my daughter as an example. My daughter loves to weight train and loves to physically express herself, but not having hockey and not having that ability to compete with her peers, as we've just discussed, has taken a a serious, has made a serious strain on her mental health. She actually mentioned to me uh, the other day that she hasn't, she's in the 11th grade now. She's in, in sec five. She hasn't had a full hockey season since the eighth grade. Like consider for a second that you know, you, you, you play on a hockey team, but you, you don't know if you're going to have a game next week or you don't know if you're going to have practices and, and, and that uncertainty for kids, it's, it's miserable. And so I've seen it exacerbated. I don't know if you've been in the same boat because your kids are younger, Jordan, but I've seen it exacerbated for us on weekends because weekends for our family is sports. It means sports. My son plays basketball. My son plays flag football. My daughter plays hockey at a very high level. For us, weekends mean activity. And for us to just be in the house with nothing to do uh, has taken an effect on me and and on my children. So, you know, this discussion about minor hockey, you know, being allowed to start back up as of next week in the province, it's, it's a small return to normalcy for a lot of people. And I think any little bit is going to help us start to feel better about this miserable January. So back in school, back on the ice... And some of our businesses that were previously closed because of some of the uh, the surge in the uh, in the cases, uh, some of our businesses will soon be reopening. Yes, as, as a part of the the closures that happened right before Christmas was restaurants, bars, social clubs, uh, gaming establishments, cigar lounges had to shut down. Restaurants could only be delivery only or takeout. Um, no, no, no dining room seating. So that, that, you know, that's, that's a huge, uh, huge blow to, to, to a lot of the business community. Right. And, and, you know, you know, workers are out of work, uh, you know, revenues down because I mean, delivery only makes up a, a, a small portion of, uh, of a lot of restaurants, uh, revenue. Right. So, um, you know, there's, it's, there's a big difference and, and a big shift again, and people are, are again, more stressed and, and all this and that. So um, starting on Monday, January 31st, businesses in the community are able to reopen at 50% capacity. There's a bunch of different rules that they have to follow. You know, the vaccine passport is going to be required. Uh, that will be uh, reviewed after two weeks. Hand washing, distancing, uh, nobody sitting at the bar, only uh, two households per table, uh, you know, and all that. 
it, it's a step in the right direction. And uh, talking with uh, Public Safety Commissioner Lloyd Phillips, you know, in the past uh, reopenings, uh, they did it very slowly and methodically and said, okay, we're going to open at 25% and then wait two weeks and then assess and then add another 25% and then wait another two weeks and then assess. And then it took quite a while to get from closed to 100% open. This time around, because again, they, the, the task force realizes, you know, and is learning from the past about, you know, the economic impact of these closures are having the the social, the social impact that these closures are having, and 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 again, and the mental health uh, impact that it's having. So, so they're looking at doing it in much, much quicker fashion. That's why uh, starting on, on the thirty first, it's a fifty percent capacity, and then then hopefully, very, very quickly after that, uh, you know, we're going to be back to all these businesses being at a hundred percent capacity. I'd like to put the uh, the pandemic on the back burner for a little while, gentlemen, yes. <laughs> so that we could talk about one of our new exciting podcasts. Yes, yes, it's it, it, it's just such a great podcast. It's it's called the Beating Table. It's hosted by Dekariakwa Stand Up and Leith Makiwa, two bead workers uh, in the community. Uh, you know, Dekariakwa she she runs she owns uh, the store at the um, Hardware Plaza Mall called Traditions. And they've been talking about, uh, you know, if you listen to their first episode here on, on the UD was a podcast network, you know, there's something they've been talking about a long, for a long time. And they started discussing it over on social media and people say, yeah, we got to do a podcast. And so, so we ended up speaking, uh, myself and Degaryakwa and saying, listen, you know, you want to do a podcast. We have a podcast studio. We have a podcast network. You guys are more than welcome to to use our, to use our facilities and, you know, we can help you guys promote it and uh, and put it out there. And the very first episode is, is over an hour long and it was just such a good podcast. It was like, it doesn't feel like it's an hour. And I, I think everybody should be listening to it. Uh, you know, it, whether you're a bead worker or not, it just, it, uh, you know, gives a lot of insight into, into how artists approach their work and approach selling their work and a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, it was really, it, it was really a fun listen and I can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, it was a great idea that uh, that you guys had started to discuss. And I'm sure there's uh, some community members out there that might have similar uh, interesting topics that they might want to discuss on a podcast. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one of the things is the, the goal of Yuriwas is is to help give our community a voice. Right. And, and whether that's in, in the pages of the paper or through the videos that we, we do or, or through podcasts, if anybody is interested in, in, in delving into the podcast world, and has a has a really good idea, you know. You know, please feel free to contact us, and uh, we can discuss it. Lots of talk about the uh, pandemic, of course, when we're referring to the month of January, and uh, we're going to see what uh, February has in store for us shortly. Yeah, for real. And also, this podcast, one that we're we're on right now, marks one year since we first launched our podcast network. That's incredible. The big achievement. So you know, it's been it's been it's been fun. It's been a learning curve for us, and uh, you know, being print guys, and uh, you know, with a little bit of radio experience, you know, and, and then getting into this and doing more multimedia stuff is really, I think, uh, helped uh, us push the envelope. Well, I'm looking forward to reading more of uh, both of your stories in the in the coming month, and I'd like to thank both of you for coming in today to chat with me. Pleasure's been all mine, Jordan. Thank you. Yeah, go. Thanks for listening to The Lead. Be sure to check out our other podcasts like Your Diwaze Profiles, Meatheads, and The Beating Table on Google and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.